0: Hey, everyone. After not recording an episode for about two and a half years, I am now going to start podcasting again. uh, Just to give you all a brief update of my life, I have now graduated college. I graduated with a Bachelor of Science uh, in Psychology from Oklahoma State. Um, I'm currently just working a full-time sales job with aspirations to pursue a seminary education and pursue a future in Christian counseling. I am now engaged and will be married next June, Um, and that pretty much sums up where I am right now. I'll probably go into deeper detail on all of this in future episodes, Uh, but for this first episode, I thought I would just post um, me reading one of the articles I wrote in the past about battling bitterness. So please enjoy, and thanks for listening. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Bitterness is one of the tougher challenges I have faced in my walk with Christ. At the very least, it reflects a lack of forgiveness. However, it does not stop here. Bitterness builds on itself into a pile of hideous sin bitterness becomes hate, hate becomes apathy, and apathy leaves our hearts open to be filled with deceit and vain pleasures. What causes one to be bitter? I think most of us can think of plenty of good reasons to be bitter. Perhaps we've been betrayed by someone who swore loyalty. We've been abused by those who hold greater authority than we do. Maybe small things in our day-to-day living just never seem to go our way. Whatever the cause... When we encounter hurtful situations that wound us, and they are not properly treated, our entire worldview is at stake. When wrongdoings are not countered by grace and forgiveness, our hearts put up barriers of self-righteousness encompassed in bitterness. How dare they do this against me? I deserve better. Perhaps you've endured wrongdoings of horrific proportions, and certainly do deserve better, but that matters not. Grace does not measure out what is deserved. Consider the horrifying proportions to which you have offended God. What is the response He gives us to us rebellious creatures? Come now, let us reason together. What in our minds make us worthy to respond to wrongdoing with wrath more severe than our Creator responds to us? Come now, God invites us into His presence. He doesn't push us away in bitterness. He does not consider us unworthy to stand before him after we have wronged him. Let us reason together, he bargains. How pure these words are. When God invites us into his presence, we are not scorned before his majesty. He ever so gently invites us to reason with him. Then what? Are we expected to state and defend our case and explain why we ought to be forgiven? No. See what is said next. God does all the reasoning. We need only listen to His voice. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become wool. This is how God reasons with sinners. He offers full and complete restoration before we say a word. The glory of this love does not stop only in God's love for us. God's love for us changes how we love others. When we are touched by this tender offer, it moves us to love others with the same tenderness. Look at the humility of your God, and do not dare put yourself above it. We are called to love with the same gentleness, and by being filled with the truth of God's love seen in this passage and in Christ dying to fulfill God's offer of redemption, we are made capable of loving in the same way. When we are wronged, we need not respond with self-righteousness we need not proclaim, How dare you wrong me? Rather, remember how God receives us. We should invite our wrongdoers into our presence and reason with them, not demanding they also reason and hold up their end. But we send forth our offer of forgiveness without any demands, as God has seen it fit to deal with us in this way. Remember, though, that God has not extended this forgiveness without a price. While God has manifested this great love to us without cost to us, it costed Him greatly. Remember the humility with which He stepped down from His glory on His throne. Remember how He suffered at the hands of His own creation. God's love does more than simply forget the wickedness of the wrongdoer. God's love means suffering for the sake of the wrongdoer. When we are wrapped up in the extremity of His love, we too are able to love with the same passion. We sacrifice ourselves for those who wrong us. This brings great glory to our God. When we are overcome by this love, bitterness is suffocated from existence in our relationships with others. Enemies become friends. And John 15, verse 13, tells us Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. Of course, the love referenced here is the love of Jesus Christ, that he would die to save his elect, but we as believers are to display the same sacrificial love, and this depth of love leaves no room for bitterness. We must learn to forgive as God forgives, by learning to love sacrificially as God loves. Without this transformative love, our relationships with others and with the world around us will be bitter ones. Bitterness has tormented me personally from several situations in my life. Only by being humbled by the love with which God has loved me, as stated in Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Have I been able to step away from bitterness and into the restoration that has been put forth by Christ Jesus? Remember how God has so tenderly reasoned with us, and approach your wrongdoers with the same love, leaving no room for bitterness to take hold and grow in your life.